Thank you for being here today and being part of this worship service. Last week we started this series called I Love Mount Airy. And uh, there's one statement I made last week that I want to make sure that you remember. We're going to try to remind you of this statement from time to time. But if I could put last week's message into a sentence, it would be this. My church is not really mine, and that's why I love it. You see, what that means is Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church. My church is not really mine, it's His. And one of the reasons I love Mount Airy is because we try to focus on Jesus and on His agenda more than our own agenda. I love being a part of a church that does that. I love being a part of a church where we're focused on reaching people who are far from God. But, what then? Once you've reached people who are far from God, then what do you do with them? That's what we're going to talk about today. This is our discipleship process that we want to take every person through. Some of you might recognize this. If you've been in Discover Mount Airy, you certainly recognize it because uh, we do this every time we offer the class. We teach this material. Now, for some of you, this will be review. It's like, yeah, I remember that a couple of years ago, several years ago, we had this out. and That's going to be review. For some of you, this is brand new information. But I want to help us all to understand the simple discipleship process we're trying to take everybody on. The first step is simply this, encounter God through worship. That's what we want to do. We want to help you to encounter God through worship. That's the first step. That simply means involving as many people as we can in this large group setting. That's our first step in the discipleship process. Involving as many people we can in the large group setting. And then the next one is connect with others through BSF. And then the next one is to discover a place to serve and then reach the world for Christ. So, let's say these four words together. I'll make sure you tuned in with me and you know where we're heading and what we're trying to accomplish in each of our lives. Let's say these words together. Encounter, connect, discover, and reach. Again, encounter, you don't have to repeat this, but in, encounter God through worship, connect with others through BSF, discover a place to serve, and reach the world for Jesus Christ. We want to take every person on that four-step journey because we believe that if you'll take this four-step journey with us, you'll become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. But today, I want to focus on just these first two steps. Encounter and connect. You see, we believe that our church must grow larger and smaller at the same time. We believe that our, that's one of our core values, that, that our church must grow larger and smaller at the same time. And the place where the church feels like a small church, the place where the church grows smaller is in a BSF class. Now, I don't know if you noticed James in that video just a few moments ago. He said, I love Mount Airy because it has a small church feel even though it has many, many members. And we didn't even pay him to say that. He just did that on his own. I love Mount Airy because it's, it's got that small church feel even though it has many many members. Uh, when I was growing up, some of you have heard this story, but when I was growing up, I grew up in a little church. And when I say little, I mean little. If we had 60 on Sunday morning, it was a high attendance day in my home church. Clifton View Baptist Church, just a small little church. Uh, I, I'm telling you, 60 was a high attendance day for that church. And I grew, that's the church I grew up in. That's, that's what I knew as church growing up until I became a young adult. When we graduated from college, Lisa and I then got married and we moved to 
Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, Fort Worth, Texas. And we joined a church out there named Travis Avenue Baptist Church. They had over 3,000 members, uh, or 3,000 pe- more than members than that, but over 3,000 people attending on Sunday morning in worship. It's a huge, massive church. And in our Sunday school class, we had 75 in our Sunday school class of seminary students. A seminary Sunday school class, 75 seminary students in that one class. In other words, we had more people in our Sunday school class than we had in our church back home. It was just a weird thing. But I tell you what, God taught me through that time. God taught me that the large church felt like a small church in that BSF class. In that large church of over 3,000 people, it felt like a small church because I had connected to some people in that Sunday school class. That's why, folks, our church must continue to grow larger, but also smaller at the same time. And if you're not in a small group Bible study class, I'm going to ask you to sign up for one today. I'm going to tell you at the end of the service to go to the tent out front and sign up for a BSF class today. Or if you used to be in one and you kind of gotten out of the habit, I'm going to ask you to get back in one and decide to do it today. And here's why. Life change is more likely to happen in a small group. I believe that. Life change is more likely to happen in a small group. One pastor says it this way. He said, circles are better than rows. Say that with me. Circles are better than rows. Now here, here's what that means. Simply means it's easy to stumble away from the church. It's easy to stumble away from your faith. It's easy to stumble away from God when you are a nameless person sitting on a row in the church worship service. It's much harder to stumble away from your faith and stumble away from God when you're in a circle of close friends. Face-to-face with friends is much better than everybody facing me. Face-to-face in a circle of friends learning God's Word together. Face-to-face in a circle of friends serving God together. Face-to-face in a circle of friends trying to figure out that Christian life together. Face-to-face in a circle of friends is so much better than everybody sitting in rows facing me. Now, that's why we say the church must grow larger, continue to grow larger, but also continue to grow smaller at the same time. But this is not just a good idea that I came up with. This is not just an idea that I read somewhere in a, in a church growth book. This is an idea that goes all the way back to the very first church in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to show it to you. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches his very first sermon ever. He's preaching at Pentecost, and he preaches his very first sermon. And as I thought about that, I thought about my first sermon. I remember my first sermon. I, I was so nervous. I can't describe to you how nervous I was in that little bitty church, standing up on Sunday night, preaching my first sermon in, in front of all of those people. And, and you would have loved to have been there, because it, it lasted about 12 minutes. And at the end of that 12 minutes, I gave the invitation and seven people came forward and rededicated their life to Christ. I wonder what Peter felt like, though, when he preached his first sermon. Standing in the temple courts, and for the very first time, I wonder if he was nervous as he stood there in the temple courts for the very first time about to preach God's Word. I'm not sure how long he preached, but I have an idea it was longer than 12 minutes. And here's the reason. 
if you'll look in chapter 2, let me kind of outline the text for you. In chapter 2, Peter begins to speak in verse 14. I'm not going to read that, but that's where his sermon starts. Chapter 2, verse 14. His sermon continues all the way to verse 41. But notice the little comment that is made by Luke, the author of the book of Acts. Look at a comment that he makes in verse 40. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Notice that phrase, with many other words. In other words, Luke is saying here, by the way, I couldn't write it all down. You know, he kept going and going and going with many other, let me just say, there were many other words when he was preaching that day. And then, but here's the end result, verse 42, or verse 41. Interesting statement. When he finished this message and gave the invitation, look what happened. Those who accepted this message were baptized. And by the way, let me stop there. Let me show you this in Scripture. That's why we believe in believer's baptism. That you hear the message, you respond to the message, then you're baptized because you have received the message. You've received Christ as your Savior. That's why we encourage you to participate in believer's baptism. Uh, Verse 41. Those who accepted this message were baptized and... About how many? 3,000 were added to their number that day. About 3,000. I was thinking, you know, what would it be like if I had gone to church one day and Lisa was homesick and, and, uh, and I preached and, and then I got home and, and Lisa said, well, how was church today? Oh, it, it was pretty good. Anybody joined? Yeah, we had about 3,000. <laughs> about 3,000 joined. Now, Don't miss this. Please don't miss this. In one day, almost instantaneously, the New Testament church went from 120 people, according to Acts 1.15, there were 120 believers together praying, and the church went from 120 people, and it exploded to over 3,000 people, almost instantaneously. In one day, The church grew from 120 to over 3,000 people. In other words, the first Christian church was a megachurch from day one. In today's terms, a megachurch is anybody over 1,000 people is considered a megachurch. The first New Testament church was a megachurch from day one. Some people say, well, I don't like a big church. Well, then you wouldn't have liked the first New Testament church. Because that small church that you liked of 120 suddenly became over 3,000. Now, here's the question. How do you suddenly disciple and care for thousands of people? When all of a sudden you go from 120, and you've got now thousands of people, how do you disciple them? How do you care for them? And by the way, it didn't just stop at 3,000. Look at verse 47. They were praising God and joined the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So so the church continues to grow. The church is now 3,120 plus. Every day the Lord keeps adding more people to the church. Every day more people get saved. Every day the church is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So how do you handle that kind of explosion? How do you handle that kind of growth? Well, Acts chapter 2 verse 46 tells us that one of the keys is this. As the church grew larger, it also grew smaller. Let me show you right in the text. Every day, 
They continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's the large group. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. And it says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. In other words, from the very beginning, the 3,000 plus new converts were divided into smaller groups in their homes. It was in their homes where they studied together. It was in their homes where they broke bread together. It was in their homes where they cared for one another. It was in their homes, that small group setting, where that large church became a small church again. They somehow knew, before there was even a Lifeway or a Southern Baptist Convention, they somehow knew that just meeting together on Sunday morning in a large group was not enough. Before anybody ever created Sunday school or BSF, they somehow knew we need to get this large group into smaller groups. If we're ever going to be the devoted followers of Jesus, we want to be and need to be. We need this large group. This large group of over 3,000. We need to get them moved into smaller groups. These new Christians recognized that they needed each other. And so they met together in homes, in small groups. And those small groups were critical to help them integrate their faith into their daily living. Those small groups were critical to help them live out their faith in a time when it was hard to be a Christian. They were living in an environment that was hostile to the Christian faith. And it was those small groups meeting together that helped them continue to grow and to reach the world for Christ, but it helped them also to continue to continue to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Uh, skip over to chapter 5. Look in chapter 5, beginning in verse 40. Uh, we're kind of picking it up at the end of the story, but I think you'll catch on. Chapter 5, verse 40. His speech persuaded them, and they called the apostles in and had them... What's that next word? Flogged. Do you know what flogged is? That means they were beat with a whip. Why? Because they were Christians. Alright, now listen. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. I'm telling you, that was a day and time when it was not easy to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of the suffering disgrace for the name. That is, for the name of Jesus. Then, uh, I'm sorry, then it says in verse 42, day after day, in the temple courts, large group, and from house to house, small group, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Those first Christians were committed. They were committed to Christ. And they were committed to the church growing larger and growing smaller at the same time. And I want you to be committed to that. Because that is where life change is more, more likely to occur. Life change is more likely to occur in that small group setting. Let me mention three quickly, just three reasons that we want you to do this and move from the large group setting into the small group setting. Not ignoring this one but adding another step. Let me, let me give you three. Just, I'm just going to mention them. I'm not really going to give you a lot of information. Just mention three valid reasons we need you to, to move into a small group. Here's, here they are. Number one, connecting with a small group gives you the chance to discuss spiritual truth. 
Connecting with a small group gives you a chance to discuss spiritual truth. Obviously, in a, in a format of a worship service like this, you don't have the opportunity usually to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I, I didn't understand that last thing you just said. Could you go back over that? You don't have a chance to say, Pastor, could, could, could you go back to chapter 5 and look at verse 2 and explain that to me? Pastor, could you tell me what this word means? You don't have that opportunity in a large group setting. We couldn't do that in a large group setting like this. But in that small group setting, that's where you get a chance to wrestle with the Word of God. In that small group setting, that's where you get a chance to discuss spiritual matters that you can't probably discuss in a setting like this. That's where you explore the Bible together and understand what, how God wants you to live. Now imagine the first New Testament church, going back to Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people gathering at Pentecost. 3,000 people gathering in the temple courts. 3,000 believers gathering together to worship there in the temple courts. Imagine that large group of people trying to discuss the issues they were facing. It'd be hard, wouldn't it? In that large, with a large crowd of 3,000 people, it would be hard to discuss the issues you're facing as a follower of Christ. But if you went to somebody's home, if you sat down at their table, if you're in a circle instead of rows, then you have an opportunity to discuss those spiritual matters you're wrestling with. Then you have an opportunity to discuss those problems you are encountering as a follower of Christ. I beg you to get into a small group so that you'll have a circle of friends who will help you discuss spiritual matters so that you can grow in your walk with Christ and not just be a Sunday morning sit-on-the-pew Christian, but you're becoming a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Here's the second reason I need you to move into a small group. Number two, connecting with a small group allows you to have fellowship with other believers. I'm sure that, I was thinking about this earlier, I'm, I'm sure that when, you were, when these new Christians were in that crowd of 3,000 in the temple courts, and they were part of that worship, I'm sure that was exciting, and I would want to be part of that. I, I, bet, they, I bet they were getting on their phones and tweeting about the massive service, the crowd that they had that day. You know, they were, they were just, it was just amazing all that was going on, you know. And it would be exciting to be part of that. And I would want to be a part of that. But listen to me. It's hard to connect in a crowd. You can worship in a crowd. But it's hard to connect in a crowd. It's in that small group setting where you connect with others for fellowship. Look at verse 46 one more time. Chapter 2, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And look at this. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's where the real fellowship was taking place. Not in the crowd. Not in the crowd of 3,000 in the temple courts. The real fellowship was taking place when they got together in the small circles and they were breaking bread together in their homes and enjoying fellowship together. That's why we believe BSF is so important and why I'm asking you to connect with the small group in our BSF class. It provides an environment where you're more likely to develop lifelong Christian, life-honoring, or Christ-honoring friends. i got to tell you a story that that so illustrates this and really kind of disturbs me at the same point. Um, this past fall, I was deer hunting with, with a group of men. After the hunt was over that evening, we were walking back to the trucks and 
uh, it was just me and this other guy that were walking. Uh, our stands were near each other, and we were walking together back to the trucks. And I, I knew this guy. I didn't know him real well, but I knew him because he had, had visited our church for a good while. And, uh, but he wasn't visiting anymore. I hadn't, I hadn't seen him in a long time. And so it was just he and I. And so as we were walking, I, I said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I, I said, I don't see it at Mount Air anymore. Are you guys plugged into a church somewhere? And he said, yeah, yeah, we're going to so-and-so. And he told me all about it. And I said, well, well that's good. I'm glad you're in church. I said, but it's just us talking, and, and you're not going to hurt my feelings. Could, could I ask you a real personal question? And he said, sure. I said, why is it that you never stuck at Mount Airy? Because you guys went there for a good while, didn't you? I, he said, yeah, we went there for about two years. I said, well, why didn't you stick? What was it we could have done differently? What could we have done better that would have helped you stick. And here's what he said. He said, well, Keith, I'll tell you this way. I'll explain it to you this way. He said, we went to Mount Air for about two years. And in those two years, at the end of two years, one day I realized that after going to that church for two years, I knew six people. Going to that church for two years, I knew six people. Then I asked him the golden question. I said, well, were you guys in a BSF class? And he said, no, we never got around to that. Listen to me. Circles are better than rows. In rows, you can sit here for two years and never be connected. In rows, you can sit here for two years and never have real fellowship. But when you decide to take the step of not just a large group worship, but you're going to connect with others through BSF, when you get into that small group setting, that's where fellowship takes place. I hope that you'll take that step today. I hope that you'll decide. You know what? We've sat on the pew long enough. We've been coming. We don't feel connected. We don't know these people. Maybe we need to go somewhere else. No, you don't. You don't need to go somewhere else. You just need to go into a small group. That's what you need to do. You need to get into a small group because that's where you're going to get to know people. That's where you're going to feel connected. That's where it's going to feel like a small church. That's where it's going to feel like people care about you. That's where it's going to feel like, I've got friends. That's where you're going to get to know more than six people. Here's the third thing about getting in a small group that will help you. Connecting with a small group provides a way for you to be cared for. When someone joins our church family, it's, our responsibility to, to minister to you and help you with your physical and personal and spiritual needs. We want to do that as best we can. But it's also your responsibility to put yourself in a place where that kind of care can take place. And the best place to put yourself is in that small group. I, I, I've been at Mount Airy for 17 and a half years, and I have seen over the years uh, what an incredible job our BSF classes do to minister to one another. Now, as your staff, we're going to do our best to minister to you. As your staff, we're going to do our best to be there for you and to help you any way that we can. But I've seen time and time again how well our, staff, our, our, our classes minister to individuals and families in time of death and sickness and crisis. I've seen you beat me to the hospital. I've seen you beat me to the home. I've seen you carry food into people. I've seen you provide transportation for people. I've seen you go by and support people who are grieving. I have seen you care for people. And many, many times, it was that small group BSF class rallying around someone in need and giving them the care that they needed. 
And it's scriptural. There's a key word in verse 46 I want you to see. Verse 46, it's repeated twice. This key word I want you to see, it's, it's, it's twice in this text. And you might want to underline it. Here's what, what it says, verse 46. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Together in the temple courts. Together in their homes or their small groups. They were praying together and doing life together and opening God's Word together and stumbling through life together. Their Christian faith was a day-to-day reality, not a -a once-a-week routine. This new church was not content with crowds. They wanted to make disciples. So they met together in small groups. They had a crowd. They had a crowd of over 3,000. But they wanted to do more than have a crowd. They wanted to make disciples. And so they gathered together in small groups. Now here's the bottom line for why you need to take that step and get in a BSF class or take that step and get back in a BSF class. Here's, here's the bottom line. It's hard to be a follower of Jesus without others. I didn't say it was impossible. I didn't say you couldn't be a Christian. I simply said this, and I'll say it again. It's hard to be a devoted follower of Jesus without others. You see, we need each other. We need to spur one another on. Think of all the one another text in the Bible. It talks about encouraging one another and spurring one another on and loving one another and helping one another. There's, there's lots of one another text in the Bible because it's hard for us to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ without others, without one another. Now, some of you are thinking, well, Keith, I, I hear what you're saying. It sounds good. I, I'm in the large group and I need to get into a small group. Church... The large church needs to get smaller. I understand all that, but let me tell you something, Keith. You see, I had a bad experience in my BSF class. I, I, I just had a bad experience. Listen to me, listen to me. So what? Uh, you probably had a bad experience getting a haircut one day too, didn't you? You got a bad haircut? But you found somebody else to cut your hair, right? You can go find another class. Go find another small group. We got all kinds of them. 8.30, 9.45, 11 o'clock, take your pick. Well, but, but you know, see, my class, I mean, what you preaching, that sounds good for preaching, but that's not the way my class is. That's why I quit going. Well, then get back in and help it get better. Just help them grow. Just, you, just, you know what it needs to be. Help them be that. Help them do that. Rather than sit on the sidelines and criticize what they're not doing, how about getting in the middle of it and help them do what they ought to be doing? There's an idea. You see, I'm just trying to tell you, it's hard, it's hard to be a fully devoted follower of Christ without others. God has created you and I to be connected. Maybe this will will help some, maybe this will help some of you. What are these? Legos. Uh, some, there's a guy who wrote a book called The Lego Principle. I, I can't pronounce his name. It's kind of a hard name to pronounce. But it's interesting about Legos. He, he said they're all different shapes. They're all different sizes. They're all different colors. There's just all kinds of different things about Legos. But all Legos have one thing in common. Every one of them, they have one thing in common. All Legos connect 
on the top and on the bottom. And using the Legos as an illustration, he said, you know what? The Lego principle is this. We were designed, first of all, to be connected to God. And once we are connected to God, we are then to be connected to others. And so we'll say that this blue one is God. As we are connected to God, we, we get connected to God, and then we also should be connected to others. And as we are connected to others, God can make some amazing things out of us. But it's not until we get connected both to God and then to others that God can do the amazing things He wants to do in our lives. It's the Lego principle. I'll summarize it this way. Life is better connected. Life is better connected. The first New Testament church fascinates me because they somehow realize that. They realize that as the church grew larger, it had to grow, grow smaller as well. They somehow realize that, it's, that it takes more than just a large group worship experience. They somehow realize that, yeah, we got a crowd. But if we're going to be the followers of Christ that we need, we need to get circles because circles are better than rows. And so today I'm going to ask you to help me. I'm going to ask you to get in a circle. You've been here, some of you, for a long time, and you're still not in abyss. And I talk to you from, from time to time, and I say, you in a class yet? No, 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 we hadn't done that yet. No, no. No, we're going to do that, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we need to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to help you. We've got a tent right out front. It says, next steps. At that tent, you go to that tent and say, sign me up for a BSF class. And we will put your name down. We will contact you this week so that next Sunday you can be connected in a BSF class. Or get back into your BSF class if you need to do that. By the way, next Sunday is what? Do you know? Easter. So there's two things I need you to do next Sunday. Every person here, would you please do these two things? Number one, would you first of all show up for BSF? Could we practice this and say, you know what? Next Sunday is Easter. We, we want to have a big crowd, but we also want to make sure that we get people connected in a small group. And so would you just start putting this message into practice next Sunday? Show up on Easter Sunday. What better day to start doing this than Easter Sunday? Show up on Easter Sunday and get in that small group setting. But the second thing I want you to do is this. Invite somebody to show up with you. Invite somebody to, to your BSF class. P uh, teachers, please, 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 with, with the cherry on top. Please contact everybody in your BSF role. Please call everybody. Or, as you're leaving today, you're going to be given, everybody's going to be given a, a pen. It says Mount Airy Baptist Church. It's just our little gift to you today. Part of our celebration of why we love Mount Airy. As you, all the doors as you're leaving, you'll be get, given a free pen. Why don't you take this pen and let it be a reminder that this week, you need to write somebody a letter. You need to write a card. You need to write somebody and ask them to be in your BSF class. You need to write those missing in action people and ask them to come back. You need to write that neighbor of yours and invite somebody to be at church with you in BSF next Sunday. Let's pray together. With heads bowed, eyes closed, let's just remember this one simple principle. As the church grows larger, it must also grow smaller at the same time. Please don't be that guy that sits on the pew for two years and then you leave because you never got connected and you knew six people. Please don't be that guy. Please decide, you know what? we're going to get into that small group environment 
Because it, it makes sense now. And that small group is where we're going to grow more. And that small group is where I can talk to people about my questions. In that small group is where I can fellowship and make friends. In that small group, I know people will care for me and love me. So will not you take that step today as we're leaving? Would you just go to the tent and just say, Hey, sign me up for BSF class. Father, I pray uh, that you would work in us in a way, Lord, that we'd recognize the value of meeting together as brothers and sisters in Christ and encouraging one another in our walk with you. And in that small group, in those circles, Lord, show us what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus. It's in His name I pray. Amen.